No, I'm recording. I'm good. Okay. 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 All right. Back to my notes. And okay, I'm gonna tr- I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna t- try one more time. It's gonna, gonna be great. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Okay. Hi, my name's Richard Plotel. And I'm Liz Walker. And this is the Bake Canadian Takeoff, a show about the Great Canadian Baking Show. And it's Cake Week. <laughs> I noticed some innovations over the Great British Bake Off. Uh, we have names on aprons, which uh, thank you for that very much, CBC. That's uh, yep. that is very helpful to podcasters. That's a good idea. Yep. Colors are good. The stations are a bit more rustic. Yeah, I noticed that. Yeah, they're uh, they've got. Um, I don't know if that's stippling, but it's very attractive because you know it's Canada. It's 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 practically a pioneer. Practically country. still a colony. Practically still a colony. Uh, Nanaimo bars in the title sequence. Yes. We're going to see a lot of those. And they let uh, contestants change outfits between day one and day two. Yeah. Shall we jump into the signature challenge? Yes, let's do it. (laughs) What was the signature challenge this week? Signature challenge was two dozen uh, cupcakes, different flavors. For me, I'm going to just say, for me, I think I'm just going to call it right now. Jude is our vow. Oh, I love Jude. Oh, so we, I, I started counting. I started counting the number of times uh, we watched it as a family, uh, mm-hmm. all of us together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we started all together saying, oh, no, Jude. Yes. Oh, no. <laughs> hey, Jude. Uh, she's, a, she's a middle-aged lady with, uh, with a fair amount of Western grit. And uh, I thought that she, 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 made a real, she made a real presence with her with, with her accidents I won't, won't get into it just right away but she 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 really has a lot of spirit and I I really enjoyed her and she's clearly our Val she's meant to steal our hearts and run away with them and and, and I think she already has and uh, our Candace for this episode is Terry 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 okay I just I just want to get I want to get out right away that I I can't believe when discussing her cupcakes she says, I've I've never made candy floss before, candy cotton before, cotton candy before. But, but she had a, a cotton candy making machine. Right, which but so she I guess had she it. Bought it and brought it in the box and like on the way it. to the to the show, and she's like, "I'm just gonna wing this. I'm just, I'm just gonna get to you know what they've got it on sale. I think I'm gonna pick this up. I'll see if I can use it. Yeah, I'm just gonna you know on a competition show in front of everybody. Uh, Corey is our local Toronto boy. He's a human rights lawyer. Right. Yeah, those were some manly cupcakes going out into the woods. Yeah. Covered in bacon and booze and stuff. That, that, yeah. Uh, our STEM representative is James, who's a physics teacher. Yep. I don't remember what his cupcakes were. <laughs> no, me neither. <laughs> Linda had the Nanaimo cupcake. Yes, yes. Linda was the first uh, first on the scoreboard with some Nanaimo bars. With some Nanaimo bars, yes. Score one and, to uh, Linda. <laughs> Linda has got a very tubby hubby. Oh, really? I didn't notice. Oh, yes. Oh, well, he gets to enjoy her baking. Good for good for him yes. and for uh, her. The, it's good to have someone to feed. Our Quebecois contestant is named Pierre, which seems a little bit on the nose. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he, he was very confident. It was nice to see some representation from Quebec. Julian is the Halifax contractor. Um, and And his there was one ingredient in his cupcakes, birch syrup. And they were served in these um, like birch bark holders, and I don't know what birch syrup tastes like, but there wasn't there was um, 
Bruno, one of the judges, uh, complimented him on his on his cupcakes. But I, I was like, somebody tell me what that birch syrup tastes like, because I cannot imagine it. But I well, want, Liz, it, to, uh, I want it to be very good. Of, it's kind of like a cross between uh, maple syrup and molasses. Oh, really? Have you tasted it? I have. I bought a, uh, a, bo- a tiny bottle of birch syrup the last time I was in Yellowknife. Oh, nice. That is so Canadian. I've only been to Yellowknife once, but a friend of mine once said you should always say the last time I was in. It sounds more classy and continental. <laughs> well, um, so he put this in his in his cupcake, and I really wanted somebody, a, a host or a judge, to say, to describe it for me at home, because I'm not going to Yellowknife. Who, uh, who do you think stood out in the cupcake challenge? Um, it was definitely Terry. Terry with her cotton candy. I don't even remember what the cupcakes were. It was the it was the cotton candy on top, um, and and then Jude. Jude's really messy. She she her her cupcakes were um, she filled she overfilled her her pans, and so they they blooped out the top, and they were quite flat actually. They were not they did not have a nice rounded top on them, and so, I mean. In my opinion, if I were bacon, I would so I would lop the top off. Like I would just lop the whole top off. But she didn't do that. She sort of cut it. Uh, yeah, cut. she tried to she tried to trim them all into shape. She trimmed them, but they looked really crumbly and messy and and really terrible. And then she blobbed um, her frosting on the top of it, but didn't try to cover up the fact that she had cut the edges off. So I thought it had a real practical, they taste good, who cares what they look like kind of a a vibe about them, which I thought was a really impressive thing to bring to a show about baking. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Wonderful. Shall we move on to the technical challenge? Absolutely. Um, so yeah, I want to talk about this one to get started because the Battenberg cake is one of those cakes when you see it, you can't unsee it. It's the inside that's really cool because you have a checkerboard of four squares. Two of them are pink, two of them are yellow, and then there'll be some kind of um, jam, apricot, or raspberry, or cherry in this case, holding the squares together. And so you get a nice like slice, and it, it preserves this like pastel square little piece of yummy geometry. Um, it's it looks like a, it looks like kind of like an emoji of a fancy cake. Yes, absolutely. So the Battenberg cake, uh, I did a little research on this. A Battenberg is a British cake. It was invented, they think, to celebrate the wedding of Queen Victoria's granddaughter to one of her uh, like German cousins who was from Battenberg. But what what I love about the the Battenberg cake is that it was named for the royal family that had this whole arm of the Windsor family that came from Battenberg, uh, Germany, uh, the the Saxe Coburgs or something. Uh, these 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 British monarchs are really quite German, and during World War One, they actually had to that whole arm had to change their name from Battenberg because uh, Germany, uh, and they became the Mountbattens. They just changed their names, just quietly changed the record. These are these are no longer German shepherds. These are Alsatians. Exactly. And we are Mountbattens. That's right. We are Mountbattens now. And uh, But the Battenberg cake kept its designation. Um, 
Yeah. So that I think that's I think that's interesting. And I just really want to throw in a note here about Lord Mountbatten because I was looking at the Mountbatten name and I was like, I remember that name from somewhere. And that there's a Lord Mountbatten who was the who was like first, I don't know, Lord of Burma or something uh, in the 20th century. He's the like favorite uncle of Prince Charles. And he's a terrible man, serial womanizer. And he says, don't marry Camilla in the 70s. Stay a bachelor for as long as you can and marry a virgin. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's um, killed by the IRA on a boat in 1979. Wow. Huh. I know, right? <laughs> so a super British choice for the first technical challenge. Super British. <laughs> Battenberg cake is on Wikipedia's list of foods that are named after people. Mm -hmm. uh, can I share some other ones with you? Go for it. Uh, so there's some obvious ones. There's like Oysters Rockefeller, which is obviously named after John D. Rockefeller. That sounds like a terrible cake. <laughs> no, it's good. It's, it's uh, salty. It's, uh, it's like a salted caramel oyster cake. Oh, gross. <laughs> uh, Frangelico is named after a person. No, it's, the bottle is shaped like a monk. Yeah, it's named after Fra Angelico, Brother Angelico. Right, yeah, yeah. a 16th century saint. Uh, the Baby Ruth candy bar is obviously named after Babe Ruth, but to avoid paying him, they say that it is named after a baby named Ruth that uh, had passed away 12 years earlier. Oh, that's adorably weird. <laughs> a recent one is the Luther Burger, which was a w weird food at the CNE recently. Uh, it's a hamburger, but the buns are donuts. And it's called a Luther Burger? Yes, it was invented by Luther Vandross. Uh, uh, oh, is he still alive? He is no longer with us. He passed in 2005. Hmm. Possibly due to dietary habits, I'm not sure. Hmm. Okay. German chocolate cake is named after a man named Sam German, who invented a kind of baker's chocolate. <laughs> I wasn't, uh, you know what, you zigged when I thought you were going to zag. Eggs Benedict uh, was invented by a New York stockbroker, Lemuel Benedict, probably. This is possibly apocryphal, but uh, the best story that we have. Uh, when he wandered into the Waldorf Hotel one morning looking for a hangover cure and just said, give me a whole pile of stuff covered in hollandaise. Oh, wow. Yeah. The technical challenge ended with uh, St. Clair in last and Pierre in second last with Julian and Terry near the bottom and Linda, Corey, and Vandana were at the top. How is it possible that Jude was number fourth when she forgot the jam inside her cake? I think she only forgot some vertical connecting jam. I think she had horizontal connecting jam, but that was a no-no, Jude, for us. I couldn't believe that. <laughs> okay, so I really feel like the judges are being too kind at this point. I, I mean, I understand why they're being kind. It's a Canadian show. But they're really being very sweet and accommodating. And I, I'm, I'm waiting for the steel to come out. What was your impression of the judges? Um, I found Bruno's French accent very comforting and appropriate to talk about cooking. Uh, Me and I too. think he's just lovely. Me too. He has the fudgiest accent I've ever heard. Do you do you know his story? I I I looked him up, yes. In sort of like the movie version, He's a street urchin on the streets of small town France mm -hmm. that gets taken in by a pastry shop and makes good and becomes a brilliant baker. Uh, in reality, he was kicked out to the streets at the age of 12 by his mother and uh, suffered 
post-traumatic stress and anxiety from that. Mm-hmm. But he's turned it all into a, a lovely, a, a lovely demeanor and a lot of kindness, a lot of empathy for the contestants, which I thought was really great. So I don't want to be looking to Bruno to be the bad guy because I, I, like, I don't feel I don't feel like that's his role. <laughs> Bruno's been on the other side of the desk. Bruno was a contestant on season 20 of Chopped Canada. Right. Oh, how did he do on that? I don't know. Hmm. Uh, according to Rochelle's CBC Media Backgrounder, she is, quote, a real well-respected food industry identity. The Rochelle Adonis brand is growing up. The brand is a reflection of Quebec of her Quebecois heritage and is elegant, contemporary, and personal, just like her. So I think Rochelle might be some sort of Hatsune Miko virtual computer program person. Hmm, interesting. Did they did they make an error and program her to be Australian? Well, she grew up in French Canada until the age of ten and then moved to Australia. Uh, and is now back in Canada to do this. And I wonder what her accent is. It seems to be some mm. sort of received pronunciation, slightly British, but not very British, not Australian. Yeah, it's uh, it certainly doesn't say Quebec to me. No, her branding <sighs> is that she has a fancy tea salon in Perth. So I wonder if that is her, uh, her goal. Mm, maybe. Um... Uh, shall we pause for an ad break? Yes, please. Um, I want to engage with our core audience. Uh, so I've searched out some sponsors for that. And it turns out our core audience is mostly people we know. So mm -hmm. I figured um, I could do some ad reads for them. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, when you'd like to talk to a liberal American about music or history, talk to Quentin. I love talking to Quentin. I have a really good time. He knows a lot about H.P. Lovecraft, um, punk music of the 1980s. And uh, he's very well versed, of course, in archaeology, which he has a Ph.D. in. Tannis Rideout and Kate Blair. Have you read their books? They're pretty good. You know, at one point, um, uh, I had both of their books sitting on my desk. Now they're on the bookshelf. Jessica. She works for the NDP. I don't think you know Jessica. I don't think I do. I can't vouch for her. Ian. Award winner. Heather, she has good ideas for parties and party decor. Eddie, he came up with this joke concept. <laughs> so thanks to all our sponsors this week. Thanks, Eddie. You're the best. The climax of the show, of course, is the Showstopper Challenge, where our bakers bring their biggest ideas and techniques to a, a bake. And in this case, it was a chocolate cake, a multi-layered chocolate cake. And uh, we saw some, there's a lot of chocolate flying. Um, none of the cakes really stood out for me. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of chocolate cake, but it, I, don't, I don't know. What did you think? All the mirror glaze cakes were really interesting, but not super delicious looking. No, uh, that's right. And I wonder about uh, living in an age of Instagram food where you're trying to make something that takes a good picture. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Linda and uh, the British guy James, their mirror glazes uh, did not work at all. Uh, oh, his his no, sorry, his mirror glaze worked, but the rest of his cake looked terrible. He had the record player. Yes. It just looked like it just it was just it was just it, he left his record player out in the rain. 
And Linda's, um, she... I, Rochelle told her that she didn't like have a good crumb coating on like her ganache wasn't there or her frosting wasn't there and then so you have to have like a really perfect chilled ganache and then you put your mirror glaze on it and her mirror glaze was sort of slip sliding all over the place so that looked sort of sad um Sinclair's mirror glaze uh, did seem to work, and I'm glad we're going to get to see more of Sinclair. I get the feeling that he bought a lot of shirts for this. Yeah, yeah, he's he's a, he's a he's a quirky fellow. The the Halifax contractor. We have to talk about his cake, uh, Julian. I Julian's cake was great. It was a concept cake. Uh, looked it was a like concept a concrete cake. Block. Yep, looked like a concrete structure with some chocolate tools that were painted silver. Mm-hmm. I wonder if Julian is playing the game. I wonder if he did something kind of good but simple and achievable for the first episode. Right, because he had, I mean, it looked like the cake was, it was just cake. Like, it was like seven layers, maybe? It was a um, delicious cake, but it was not delicious cake. spectacular. No, but I mean, the, the it, was, it was monumentally sized, and his his icing had this sort of granular looking quality. I don't know what it tasted like, but it looked granular and it was like, it looked like, it looked like churned up cement. Yes. Which like would look like a huge error in a different context. But he had this sort of splendidly weird looking, very abstract cake. Terry finished her decorating in the fridge, which I thought was interesting. She was just like, trying to get her last decorations on there while trying trying to cool it down. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Did you notice Terry's bad self-talk? At one oh, point yeah. she was trying to do something. She was like, why are you shaking, Terry? Why are you shaking? Why are you shaking? Yeah. Why are you shaking? Yeah. Cut it out. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> um, we have to talk about Pierre. Yes. Pierre's, Pierre. I was really, I was really interested in his concept of making a sort of outer wrapper and rolling it up, making a really fancy chocolate wave and then a ganache and then rolling that up like a swiss roll i thought it was a mm-hmm. good idea but yeah. it did not come out it did not his his mousse did not cohere and it kind of split the side and all fell out i mean it, at one point um in in the critique i think bruno said that he, that uh, pierre clearly had an idea of like french patisserie but yes. he couldn't execute it. And and it, absolutely, I was looking at that and I was thinking, I have seen that cake in fancy shops in Montreal. He has he has the love, but not the skill. Yeah. So that was that was really unfortunate because, I mean, you know, it, it, it could have it could have been great. It could have saved him, but it didn't in this case. And before we get to the final result, what do you mm. think of our hosts, Dan and Julia? Um, okay, well, did you follow the controversy yesterday? I did follow the controversy yesterday. Well, let's um, talk about the controversy. So, John Doyle of the Globe and Mail wrote kind of a hit piece on the great Canadian baking show, uh, mm-hmm. saying that it was... Um, earnestly Canadian but lacking the charm and quirkiness of the British show and then he said something along the lines of uh well he referred to he referred to um Dan Levy's famous yeah which is not cool 
It wasn't cool. He, it, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't cool the way he said Fetus. Oh, Dan Levy is 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 a gay man. He is out, and and he kind of he he kind of shot back. He was just like, you know, critic criticism is one thing, but like calling me out for being fey is really uh, homophobic, frankly. And you know, he had a, like a really nice tweet where he said, you know, like for every kid or person out there who felt weird for being fey, this is for you. And I thought that that was a really fair response because. Fay, what the heck? Um, on the other hand, uh, or not on the other hand, but I like, I'm having trouble looking at Dan Levy and not seeing his dad. Dan Levy's dad is Eugene Levy, who is most known outside of Canada for being in the American Pie movies, where a boy has sex with a pie. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. The uh, the Levy genes are strong. They are strong, and there are times when I would watch Dan Levy interacting with the contestants, and I would just, the the, 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 the hands kind of crossed, and the big glasses, and, and he would kind of come in and drop some kind of warm appreciation, and, and I just, and, and then he'd sort of back away, and I would just see Eugene Levy in one of Christopher Guest's films. Yes. Because he was like, you know, like waiting for Guffman and Best in Show and stuff like that. I just saw that sort of like awkward, but really wanting to connect. I really enjoyed it. And Julia so far seems to be a bit of a cipher. I hope we get a bit more personality from her. Mm-hmm. I don't think she had She's... a lot to do this episode. No, I think you're right. Uh, I, th- I think she she did she t- she did save. Um... Who was it? Sabrina. Sabrina, yes, yes. <laughs> With the on the technical challenge, she said she's she comes up to her and says, "You do know there's a, it's on the there's more on the second side of the page," and turns it over. <laughs> Sabrina's like, "Oh, oh, oh!" <laughs> so nice save from Julia there. Yeah, I hope we get to know more. They were um, during some of the more formal bits, like the introduction to the technical challenge, it seemed like they were just directly aping Mel and Sue, which I guess is fine, but is also a bit like the first season of The American Office, where they just do the same scripts. Yeah. Well, I mean, it'll... They'll find it'll their feet. Fa- they'll find yeah. their feet. Yeah. Also, I think they really enjoyed... I think they really enjoy being able to step into those shoes. Like, it's. I think it would be really fun. It would be really fun to say, ready, set, back. <laughs> So, what were the results of this week's episode? Uh, well, so we we did so the I don't even want to say it. We did say goodbye to Pierre. Yes, he was he was the first baker to leave the tent. Alas, um, Pierre had to alas. separate from the rest of Canada. And this week's star baker was Terry. Uh, I love, I love her, I love her stare, her eyes. She has, uh, she has a great deal of, um, energy. We're, we're going to hear a lot of Terry's story and I think it's going to be pretty intense. Yeah. Terry, Terry has the, 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 uh, the bearing and manner of a star baker. Yeah. Well, this has been, uh, episode one of the Bake Canadian Takeoff, uh, Next week is Bread Week. Bread Week! That is going to be very exciting. They're making bagels, so it's a shame we lost oh, Pierre once again. Oh, yeah. 
Well, that you know, it'll be really interesting because when, when, when we're looking at bagels, there's going to be Montreal bagel, bagels. And then, honestly, folks coming from Western Canada, all they know is the great Canadian bagel. Right. They're going to make, they're just going to make round, they're just going to make round bread, Liz. They're just going to make round, round bread. bread. <laughs> so anyway, it's going to be, it'll be big. All right. Thanks for listening. And as we say at the end of every, every episode of the Big Canadian Takeoff. Oh, I was hoping you had something. Oh, I didn't have anything. <laughs> <laughs> Join us on Twitter at Bake Canadian, and you can find us online at BakeCanadian.com. Bye. Bye. Bye.